Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. July the 1st. Can you believe we're already into July on the Mike Abadir Show? Your co-host Gino Bacola here alongside the main man, Mike Abadir, in a busy, busy time as we are uh, a few days into the start of Wimbledon. Already some big upsets on uh, on both sides of the, the bracket for the men and the women. We've got uh, one team already into the NBA Finals. Uh, we know the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul are going to be there. Chris Paul is going to make his first trip to the NBA Finals. Um, lots going on in baseball. We're going to talk a lot of Red Sox today. Dodgers on a nice little stretch after, I think, five uh, straight victories, but some Real, real disturbing news coming out of Dodger camp. That's sort of inevitable uh, to to bring up and discuss. We have a a lot on tap for today. Uh, like you said, uh, joking before uh, before. There's probably three or four hours worth of stuff. I wasn't even mentioning uh, the uh, the soccer uh, stuff happening and any news in the NFL. So a loaded week. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even really covered any pre-Olympic stuff, qualifiers or anything yeah, like that. All, yeah. And uh, that's that's coming up later this month, uh, unless, I mean, COVID permitting, of course. And then, uh, and that is a serious consideration because there are some outbreaks in other areas of the world. Japan's become a little bit concerned, but we will uh, maybe touch upon that in future episodes. But yeah, I mean, there is so much going on. Usually, Gino, right around July... The beginning of July, uh, the last three years in a row, we've kind of started our, uh, you know, training camp series. You know, the 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 32 teams in 32 days type thing, even though we're not a daily show. But, you know, jamming in three or four, uh, you know, Divisions. training camps and, yeah. and teams, teams and, and yeah. beat writers and that kind of stuff. But there's so much going on because normally we don't have like a Euro Cup and a Copa America. NBA's you know. done. And finished later than uh, the normal uh, or is not even finished, but I mean, it's finishing up later than. So it just really, really a massive time for the sports world. Your attention gets divided really, really thin. So I've kind of picked some of the more exotic stuff that we don't get every year to really enjoy this time around more than ever before, like the Euro Cup, like Copa America. And it's too bad that they're running simultaneously, but. Both really, really good tournaments, Gino. And if, if you've watched a little bit, it's kind of got the same thing as all other pro sports, which is some usual sus- suspects, some teams that you would guess or estimate would be there towards the end. And then some fresh shooters, man, like the big Cinderella story uh, out of the Europe. Uh, the Euro Cup is Switzerland. They have been an absolute role. They're now on a collision course with Spain. And then there's the really, really, really big looking forward to this type of matchup, which is Belgium, which is the number one ranked team by FIFA going up against Italy, who's another top ranked type team. So a lot of stuff going on. And then uh, on the Copa America side, we're talking about the South American teams, of course. You you have a lot of kind of uh, fresh shooters in like Peru and Chile. And then you have the Brazils and the Paraguay who are traditionally there, uh, Uruguay, Colombia, Argentina, and Ecuador. The other bracket, by the way, because I didn't mention it, so I don't want to s- snub anybody in the Euro, 
the day after we're going to get the Czech Republic against Denmark, Ukraine against England. All very, very competitive matchups, Gino. Yeah, you're in. I, I was uh, watching the U.S. Open. I uh, was heavy into that uh, a couple weeks back in Wimbledon. You and I were talking a little bit about. We already had a couple of, uh, not necessarily upset, but um, an injury with Serena, obviously. And then uh, on the men's side, um, someone who was a very, very hot player coming off of his uh, his final in the French Open, where it looked like he was going to actually beat Djokovic and uh, Sitsipis with a, a big upset to a young American, I think only 23 years old or so, like one of the younger American players to ever upset a top five uh, seeded player. I think Sitsipis was like seeded three and like top four in the world. So already in a tournament where normally, you know, you're going to get some upsets here and there, but the first couple rounds, you, you expect some of the, uh, you know, the top seeds to move through already some parody in, uh, in that uh, Wimbledon, not something we talk a whole lot about or focus on, or, you know, tennis is, is big when it comes to the majors, but sort of some like golf kind of the rest of the year, it's a little bit more out of sight, out of mind when they're just kind of like other tournaments that aren't quite as big. So, um, same, similar to soccer, you know, big tournaments right now for, uh, for some other sports, which are getting an opportunity to shine a little bit, which has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, and I'll talk about the American in a quick moment here on the men's side, but the the storyline so far, and you kind of alluded to it with uh, Serena, since she's probably the biggest name involved with this, is the uh, injuries. The they brought the groundskeeper out. It kind of reminds me, unfortunately, of like you know every sport deals with it. Like Santa Anita a couple of seasons ago, uh, I guess that was probably what 2019, 2018, whenever that was, when they had a, a slew of injuries, and the first thing you look at is the surface and what's going on there. We've seen it during NFL training, um, preseason games at certain venues. I think the uh, the Meadowlands last year was a big source of controversy after the Niners had those rash of injuries playing against the Jets. And that's exactly what's going on here at Wimbledon. And if you've watched any matches, you'll see that it's very slick behind the baseline. These guys are really slipping and sliding quite a bit. Some of them slide so much that they get into like the splits position. Which obviously, uh, you know, can be very dangerous, at least tennis-wise. You know what I mean? Like you could easily pull a hamstring. You could hurt your ankles. There are a lot of things that can happen that would, uh, you know, really, really interfere with the game. And that's been happening with a lot of people. There were two brothers playing earlier today. Great, great matchup. I'm not going to butcher these guys' names, but they, one was from, uh, one was from, oh my God, why am I blinking now? One is from Canada. And the other one from some Eastern European country. I apologize. Really, really competitive matchup. Really, really fun. But those guys were slipping and sliding like crazy. Groundskeeper said, hey, everything is good. It just happens to be that the grass is a little bit slicker. And they they even have like humidity type um, settings, Gino, where kind of like doesn't um, the ball, one of the ballparks in Arizona and then Coors Field have like a humidifier Mm-hmm. They, you know, technology is really amazing nowadays. They're able to do something at Wimbledon and they've tried anything and everything that they could, but they're not able to stop it. So, yeah, Serena is the big name that got hurt. But, man, uh, just keep our fingers crossed that none of these other folks have to deal with the injury bug. You know what I mean? It's we you, you don't it. want something like that to be a storyline at, at all, really, in any kind of injury, let alone one that's kind of widespread and rampant because of the surface. Continues on in the the NBA. Unfortunately, you know tonight um, uh, there's a game coming uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and Trey Young 
and Giannis are both out in this game. I, it it is, and and who knows exactly the reason why, right? We've talked about with certain teams and perhaps some of the teams that had to play a little deeper into last year and they had a quick turnaround. That could have been the reason why with teams like the Lakers or the Nuggets or Boston or that that suffered uh, big injuries this year. But for whatever reason it was, this has been an absurd year for as far as the star players. I mean, these were two teams, like these two guys are young players who didn't play deep into last year, who don't have injury history at all. Like we could make cases for like a lot of the other guys that got hurt and go, okay, well, yeah, you know, Kyrie and Harden and Kawhi and AD, like they've all been hurt before and it's not that surprising, but someone like Trey Young and Giannis, like those guys getting hurt, um, that's where it starts getting like, wow, this is just a, a really crazy year. And uh, just on the basket, did you see what Patrick Beverly did last night at the end of the game after the? I did. That was kind of a bush league shove. I understand right. the frustration and everything, but yeah, that was kind of weak. Uh, you know, yeah, really, there's no excuse for, for that kind of nonsense. <laughs> but Gino, before we move on from that, let me ask you this: I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, and of course, coulda, woulda, shoulda, right? You got to play the games uh, with the next man up kind of mentality. But d- d- do the Phoenix Suns win if Kawhi Leonard's there? I'm just curious what? your thoughts. I don't think the Phoenix Suns get through. The, the Lakers were up 2-1 in round one on the Suns. And, it, and, and at halftime, it was of game four. It was like a two-point game, and Anthony Davis got hurt right before that. And it, then the series changed. Phoenix played Denver in a series, and they won. They swept Denver. Um, Denver didn't have Murray because he got hurt a couple weeks in the towards the end of the season. And then the, the final game, not like it would have really mattered. They were up 3 nothing. Jokic got thrown out. At the end, so, so I'm kind of hearing you sort of between the lines saying they would have been stopped dead in their tracks if you had a full roster in series in the uh, first round, perhaps. Yeah, not even and, got and, to this point. And so I think it's that's what's such a weird thing about this particular year. If you're the Clippers, you're going to look back and go, "Wow, this we really feel like we could have had a big opportunity." I think a lot of teams are going to feel that way, and and it, the Clippers especially though. Like if Kawhi just stays healthy, I think they probably get through Phoenix very easily. Phoenix did not play very well in the series. Clipper, the Clippers outplayed them um, for the most part. They played harder than them, and. Unfortunately, they just didn't have quite enough. They were a little too tired. But who I, I honestly think that we see, and this has happened before. I think that this year, whichever team wins is probably going to be like the third, third or fourth best team in the league that got the benefit of being the healthiest, getting the right matchups, and that. And it does sound like I'm trying to take something away from them. It, it's not because you can only play who's in front of you. You can only beat the opponents that are put there. We don't have a champion of champions where all the greatest teams from all time battle. You know, that's just for us to talk about on podcasts like this or the radio. But um, I do think that it would be like, I think if you took the best versions of of all of these teams this year, like it'd be hard not to look at like the Lakers or Brooklyn and the Clippers or the Clippers and think that, oh, wow, if those teams were at full strength, they would still probably have have been around here. And, you know, I, I, I. I just don't I'm not I haven't been that impressed with the level of play overall with any of these teams thinking that they were necessarily that like title contending teams. I think it's fair. And look, sometimes in every sport, there have been teams that have even won the championship where I've looked back and said, you know, that wasn't even the best team in their division. Yeah, (laughs) right. I mean, that just happens sometimes. I remember one that comes to mind was one of Roethlisberger's Steelers 
teams that won the Super Bowl. I think they were 10 and 6. Mm-hmm. I believe they were a wild card team. I, I thought there were like five teams in the NFL that were better than them. They had, you know, the, the good fortune of, of, of certain matchups that they had going up against guys without a, a starting quarterback. It, it just kind of all lined up for them perfectly, you know. And uh, maybe that was the year that they beat Kerr Warner and the Cardinals. I'm not sure. But one of those years, I was like, they're good. They're not great. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to have a little luck on your side to mm-hmm. be able to roll through these type of formats um, because, and, yeah, it, it isn't like one of the like that's one thing I do like about for as much as I don't like maybe ending a game on shootouts or how many ties there are in soccer. I do like that you play everybody, at least in your little tournament bracket. Your division or whatever they call them, group A, group little B, groups. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at least. OK, if you're going to advance, you're going to have to be everybody there. Everybody has the same schedule. There is mm-hmm. complete fairness when it comes to that. And how you match up down the road depends on a lot of different things, too. So it really is it takes any kind of elements of randomness out of it. And it's straight up about who do you beat on that particular day? And, you know, I'm a Laker fan. So let's, you know, take a little example from even from last year. Right. I think the Lakers were the best team. They won it all. I think that they could have played any team at full strength and beat them. But on their way to winning, they played Portland in round one. Nurkic was just coming back from an injury Collins got hurt and then Lilliard got hurt At the end of the series They they had to play all those games just to get in In the play-in and so they were like Really beat up by the time the Lakers played them Round two the Lakers played the Houston Rockets Uh, Westbrook was not healthy in that series So the Lakers beat a team in round two that wasn't healthy Then they beat Denver after who was was pretty healthy And then in the finals they played Miami And remember Miami was banged up too Dragic was hurt a little bit Adebayo was was hurt Uh, Butler was like gassed after a couple of those games Because he was trying to do everything So you know you can look back at a lot of teams That's why it's hard because I, I do think that Phoenix Definitely got the benefit of the doubt this year, or they got the benefit of the the trip that they had, the the schedule, the uh, the teams they had to face along the way. But you know, most years you got to be good and you got to be lucky, and there's a combination of both. Hell, the Raptors with Kawhi when they won a few years ago. Remember Durant and Clay, like the whole Warriors team got hurt in the finals. Uh, the years before that, even when the Warriors won, a couple of those years. They got lucky because they played LeBron's teams in the finals when Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt. So we can play this game if we want to, and because it's it's a little unfair to Phoenix to do, because uh, they've they've survived in a year where hey, a lot of teams haven't survived. So props to them, props to CP3, a dude who, you know, you you were uh, at a lot of CP3 games through the years. This is a guy who he deserves to be playing in an NBA Finals. Yeah, I look, I I've been critical of him over the years. I've mm-hmm. I've I've always felt that he wasn't just wasn't clutch when it counted the most. But I, I I have to give him credit because I like the persistence. You know, he could easily be down on his luck. You know, he, it could get to his head. You get tired of asking being asked, you know, you're oh and whatever in you know, close out playoff games or your own whatever in terms of, you know, or you haven't gotten to the finals in this many playoff uh, appearances or all of those kind of questions end up getting to you at some point. Yeah. And so it is nice to see these types of guys that are in that situation overcome it. Barkley was one of those guys, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was an all-star every yeah. single year and then got to the finals. 
And uh, it's it's nice to see it for Hall of Fame type of players. I'm, I was glad when Carl Malone and John Stockton made it to a finals. Mm-hmm. You know, even though they lost to the Bulls, at least they could say they were the best in the West for one season because there were a lot of years where they actually were the best by yeah. far. Not by far, but they were clearly the best mm-hmm. and, and didn't make it. They they've maybe went up against a really, really hot Houston Rockets team, you know, and Elijah Wan being really, really hot. So Utah got bounced. But if they would have been matched up with any other team, they would have won it. So it's yeah, it's it's kind of tricky. It kind of makes me think about with so many injuries over the years that are prevalent in the finals, not necessarily stemming from the finals, but just on your way to it kind of makes me think. Maybe it's time for the NBA to rethink their format a little bit. Maybe get even back do to something five, radical. five in the first round. I think they used to or, get back to cutting what a few. If, what games about? Out. Here's the thing. Nobody wants more. Uh, look, I love the Sacramento Kings. I really want to see them do well. But let's face it. Nobody wants more Sacramento Kings or the really really bad teams. Okay, make the regular season. Heck, make it like 41 games. Make it 42 games, and then take like a month break. And the the next season is the playoffs, and that starts with your best whatever, see the twelve teams, the year, sixteen teams, or I whatever, and then you make it into that soccer type of format. So it becomes like a second season only with the best teams. We I don't, don't need think, that many crap teams involved, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's something that would be done immediately. But I do think probably not of, ever. But, uh, I mean, no, but I, I will say, of all of the major sporting leagues, the team that I would be the most confident in doing something like that would be the NBA way True. more than the NFL or the MLB. They're at least willing to heck even now they did a play in thing. You know, they're willing to tinker with things a little bit more than I think like some of the other leagues are a little more set. Um, so if, think, yeah, I mean, think about how cool that format would be, Gino. They've talked about you, the, you the have like a, a bracket tournament. A. Yeah, yeah. Imagine a bracket a with like the Lakers, the Clippers. It doesn't have to be regionalized necessarily. It could be based on record, but I mean, just imagine if it was Lakers, Clippers, Suns, and Portland, that was the, the, that a bracket and the B bracket was, you know, each bracket ha- would have like four good teams times four brackets or six teams of three or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that would be really, really cool. And you're only getting good quality NBA. I bet you ratings would go up considerably. We, uh, we can continue with our NBA discussion, but uh, I think we have a break coming up, and I, I believe we have a, our first guest that's going to join us so we can uh, talk a little baseball. I think your Red Sox, who are playing really well, kind of quietly playing pretty well, too, kind of flying under the radar a little bit as other teams are more in the spotlight because of some of the, the their struggles or or just the other teams that are, are being discussed a little more. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be happy to talk about a, a Boston team that's playing pretty well. Red Hot Red Sox. Let's uh, take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back with our man, Matthew Corey, talk a little Red Sox and some MLB news. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. 
Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, and we're going to shift uh, and talk a little baseball right now. Talk about one of the better teams in the league. Mike, why don't you uh, introduce the guest who's here uh, to talk with us about uh, your uh, your Red Sox? It's always a uh, I'm a, gladly right. It's always a good thing when you're when you're about to talk about your team and that your team is doing really really well, and you get to talk with a friend of the show, an insider for the Red Sox. Uh, actually, uh, no pen intended. His uh, show is Sox Outsider, even though he is an insider. Uh, he also covers the Orioles as well for Be More Sports Life. We are talking about Matthew Corey, of course. Matthew, good afternoon. How are you, Mike and Gino? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Doing well. Thank you, sir. Let's get right to it, man. I mean, the Red Sox are winners of seven in a row. Um, and, and you, you probably can guess where I'm going to start, which is there's a lot of magic when you put the beat down to your rival, the favored going into the season, New York Yankees, and they haven't won a game against the Red Sox so far in this rivalry in 2021. That's got to be a uh, springboard to even greater confidence than they already had. Because it just seems to me like since then, they've just even been more dynamite. I mean, it sure doesn't hurt, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they've, they've matched up really well with the Yankees for whatever reason. And I think, you know, at least part of that, you know, not to take anything away from the Red Sox, is that, you know, the Yankees are just not very good, uh, which is kind of blows my mind. Like, it's not what I expected to see. Uh, I mean, they've got a negative run differential. I mean, if you watched any of those games, they're not a good fielding team, right? They, they're not hitting with runners in scoring position. Um, you know, some of their better hitters are just failing in the clutch. Their pitching staff is, you know, after Garrett Cole, it, it's just nothing to write home about. So I, I feel like that's a, that's a pretty good matchup. Now, anytime you win six uh, against the team, you know, six out of six against any major league team, that's, uh, that's pretty good. So, uh, yeah, and it always feels extra good to do it against New York. So, um, that's, that's, uh, that's a very a big positive, you know, regardless of what happens the rest of the way, that was fun. So I don't think it's surprising to see the Red Sox playing well, scoring a lot of runs. I think it is probably a little surprising even for someone like Mike to see them having this kind of a record about halfway through the year, because 
we we kind of scratch our head and I even kind of look at the numbers sometimes and they, they they don't really make sense how this pitching staff is seemingly able to just continue to get by and win they they are when you look at uh, you know some of the numbers and really break them down like as far as war is concerned I think on fan graphs they're like sixth overall in baseball you know this was a team that yeah. we were projecting as if they could just be like not 20 not bottom third if they could just be somewhere in like the teens, somewhere from 10 to 20 in that second third, as far as where their pitching staff was right now, when they're this, they're, they're pitching this well, um, I guess we look at it a couple ways. One, first off, what an impressive job from all these guys, the first half of the year. And two, how sustainable is this? And, and like, what do you think as far as this starting staff and, and what they can do moving forward? Well, it's a good question. You know, I mean, uh, it's obviously not a pitching staff without holes. You know, this is not the 2018 team that just pounds you, you know, from from every single angle. Um, But, you know, to to try to answer that, the first part of that, you know, the the guys have, A, been all healthy, you know, um, knock on wood. I think they've had five guys start games for them, you know, for the most part all throughout the year. Like um, it might be a couple more. Yeah. I think Tanner Houck might have started one, and and yeah, um, but but for the most part, like they've been running the same rotation. Just you know, other teams have been getting crushed by injuries, and the Red Sox, you know, whether through luck or skill or a combination, um, haven't. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm tempted to give some of the um, credit to you know the the, the new front office, um, you know. Uh, health analytics is huge. Um, I'm tempted to give some of that to Alex Cora, who has uh, you know managed the pitching staff superbly. You know, and I think that's a part of it as well. Um, you know, just as a as a whole, you know, the bullpen I think has surprised me maybe even more than the starting staff. Um, just just as a whole, I mean, you know, Josh Taylor has been fantastic. Matt Barnes is is one of the best relievers in baseball. Um, Adam Ottavino, who the Yankees literally paid the Red Sox to take, <laughs> is having a fantastic season. Um, so how sustainable is that? I mean, I think the bullpen's pretty sustainable, but, I mean, it's a bullpen, so mm-hmm. you never know. Like, things could yeah. absolutely explode at any point in time. Um, as far as the starting staff, I mean, if you look at Eovaldi, his home run numbers are uh, are pretty low lower than you'd expect. So there may be some regression coming there, but he's not walking guys. Um, and so you wouldn't think that it would hurt him too much. You know, solo home runs are not great, um, but they hurt way less than three run homers. Um, you know, uh, Pavetta has, I, I think he's, he's more or less the, the guy you're seeing, you know, he's yeah. getting the, a lot of strikeouts. He's walking probably too many guys. The home runs have started to bite him now, uh, which is sort of his history. Um, and, you know, if the home runs aren't there, uh, I think he's a, you know, a, a two and a half, somewhere between a two and a three in a starting uh, rotation. And with the home runs, he's, you know, a couple slots below that. But that's fine. Um, the guy I think there's a lot more to get, um, you know, out of is Eduardo. Uh, yeah. He had a really good start against the Yankees. And, but, you know, he's, he's really... I think I think it's a combination of things. I think you know there's some lingering stuff from missing last season, you know, due to COVID and myocarditis, and uh, he's 
you know, I, I think the command has been a little iffy, um, missing, missing location in the zone, and he's gotten hit a little bit that way. But I think he's also gotten, you know, kind of bad, kind of unlucky. Um, you know, just because you hit, hit the ball on the nose doesn't mean it's not an out some rather large percentage of the time. And, you know, for him, most of those balls are, are, are falling in or have been over the course of the year. Um, you know, you look at his walks and his strikeouts, which are pretty good indicators of how well he's been pitching. And he's pitching as well, you know, through those indicators as he ever has in his career. So I'm pretty optimistic about him. And, you know, then Chris Sales on the mend. I mean, dude was thrown off the mound uh, to batters the other day at Fenway. So that's, that's got to be promising. Um, I mean, who knows what they get from him and how, um, you know, how much they can lean on him when he comes back. But you, you have to think anything they can get from Chris Sale is a, is a bonus. Um, and, you know, considering how well they've performed so far, I, I think that's, you know, that's the next step towards getting to the playoffs and having success there. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, Martin Perez, eh, um, he's a you know, fifth starter. They can push him to the pen if they need him. Garrett Richards is a bit of a mess. Um, maybe he works out better in the bullpen. Um, but other than that, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty sustainable and, and, you know, with a little bit of upside from Eduardo and then Chris sale. Yeah, I was actually just going to mention Chris Seal right before you had uh, jumped into it. And I was reading earlier uh, a story put out there on ESPN by a friend of the show also, June Lee, who covers the Red Sox for ESPN. He was saying that um, Alex Cora checked out the live session uh, facing hitters, and he said that he was very, very pleasantly surprised. He called the session eye-popping. And he said the command of the pitches just was way, way beyond what he could have expected. Looks like the plan is when the Red Sox come out west, we were just talking about that during the break, to play the A's and the Angels. Sales get ahead to Fort Myers, which is the spring training facility for the Red Sox, and uh, throw a session there. And if it all looks good, he's going to begin rehab assignment, assignment, then potentially return in August. So that's the up to the second update, if you will, being that that is the case, being that that is the case. Am I going out on a limb to say, regardless of what the Red Sox do in July, which is a little bit of a shorter month because of the all-star break, that they're going to pull the trigger for a World Series run type of trade at the deadline? And if and if they did, I mean, do they have prospects that they could afford to package up? Because that's been the big problem for them over the last couple of years. And it seems like they finally started getting things back on track to retool that, um, you know, that farm system. Not everybody's the Los Angeles Dodgers, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, they're not. Uh, And I guess that's good for other teams, too, because if everyone was the Dodgers, I guess it wouldn't be that much fun. Um, I mean, unless you're a yeah, Dodger I mean, fan. I, like unless you're so. a Dodger fan, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> um, I mean, can, can the Red Sox make a trade? Yeah, absolutely. They have, they have um, you know, a, a number of top prospects. They have guys who Baseball America just promoted, um, Tristan Cassis, I believe, and, and Jaron Duran into, you know, somewhere around like the top 30 prospects in baseball. Um so yeah, they have you know they have prospect capital and, and they've 
you know, spent the last couple of years of, you know, since Bloom has been in charge, just trying to build up the depth of the, of the system. So I, I think they have guys they can move if they need to. I, I kind of question how, you know, what kind of move they'll make. Um, you know, you can always add relievers at the deadline and, you know, everyone always does that. And that's, you know, maybe, maybe they'll do that. Um, just, just, just to supplement, you know, what's, what's been working well for them so far. Um, you never know when injuries strike and you want to be prepared for that. So it wouldn't shock me, but as far as like a real big trade, I, unless there is somebody out there who has, you know, um, a, a bat that fits into, uh, you know, the lineup somewhere and is signed to a, a, a good contract with a number of years of team control remaining, um, you know, I wouldn't expect them to go out and, and spend big, you know, in terms of uh, prospects on, on a rental, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, um, I, I think there's, there's certainly places they could upgrade in the roster, but um, I don't expect them to, you know, blow a hole in their farm system to push all their chips in on, on this season. You know, I don't think that's Bloom's style. He's, he's trying to win this year, but he's also trying to win next year and the year after that. And I think for the most part, that's the right way to do it. Um, you know, we'll have to see what, what happens. But the fact that they're picking fourth in this draft, um, you know, in, in a couple weeks, that you can look at it any number of ways. But one way to look at it is that, you know, they've got some, some presumably big name, big money prospects that they're about to pick. So if, if you're sending guys out, then you're already filling those holes from the draft. Now, is that how the Dodgers do it? No, <laughs> but, 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 um, you know, but you know, know it's the Red Sox it's, certainly it's, have the ability to, to make those those deals. Sorry, go ahead. And no, I was gonna say, it's funny because sometimes too, you know, the way that you come into the year approaching it, and the way that that you know your team ends up playing this this well through the the midway point of the season, and you kind of look yeah. around and like that. That's the the one thing that I'm 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 so confused with the American League and just the Red Sox overall chances is the skeptic in me thinks that. Okay, unless they get somebody else or they get sale back and they really do feel like they have a a number one and then everybody else can kind of slot in behind them and they're like two and three roles in the rotation, then I would feel really, really happy and, and really confident about what they could do. But I look around the league and I say, like, who the hell really scares you? Like right now, honestly, yeah. I mean, the, the White Sox are playing well, like the Astros, sure. But like, are any of these teams so well-rounded with a great pitching staff and a great lineup and a great bullpen top to bottom that they just terrify you and you think that you the Red Sox couldn't beat them in a series? Because that's where I'm starting to, to get, you know. Yeah, no, I think the Red Sox have a shot against every one of those teams. I Would I pick every one of, you know, would I pick the Red Sox against any of those teams? Uh, some of them, but not all of them. Like I think the Astros are, are you know, their lineup is just brutal. Um, you know, if the White Sox get healthy at the end of the year with their pitching staff, um, you know, that's a that's a really well-rounded team too. Um, you know, the the Rays, obviously, we've seen how good they can be. So, uh, you know, it certainly is a, a, a challenge. It's not going to be a, a, any kind of cakewalk to get out of the American League, but but I, I'm with you. I think that's you know, I think it's doable for sure, and and I think that. There's enough holes on this roster, you know, that the you know the front office can make some improvements. Um, now, are all those improvements going to be big name trade additions? 
No, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, there's, there's always space to add another good bullpen arm. You know, Chris Sale counts as an improvement. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't, we haven't discussed him yet, but Jaron Duran, the, the prospect from, um, you know, he's, he's in, um, I keep wanting to call it Pawtucket, but AAA Worcester. Um, you know, he's, he's hitting home run after home run down there. Um, and, you know, he, he figures to be called up at some point soon, you think? Um, so I, I think there's there's a lot of ways that they can improve the roster without necessarily dealing their top prospects. Now, that said, I, you know if if there is some sort of market that uh, that Bloom really likes, and there's you know a player that he really likes that he can add and that fits on the roster, isn't too expensive, and can he can hold on to him for a long time, then I think you might be talking about more of a blockbuster kind of deal. But those are a lot harder to come by. So. Yeah. Um, I'm not expecting it, but I wouldn't doubt it. You know, there's going to be some talks for sure. He's in a position that I don't think he expected to be. I think, you know, if you asked, you gave him truth serum and, and asked him what he uh, mm-hmm. what he expected from the season. My guess is he was expecting something somewhere in between this and last year. You know, uh, I, I would expect that he was thinking, you know, uh, of the guys that he was going to end up trading. You know, Matt Barnes yeah. traded Matt Barnes for for a good prospect, and you know, on down the line there. Uh, but obviously. Those kind of things aren't happening, right? So, for the better. You know, Matt, and I'm going to make a prediction, guys. Somebody <laughs> is going to go in and pillage that Twins roster at the All-Star break. That's, uh, or at the trade deadline. That's my prediction. And when I look at the Twins roster, and I've already written them off. They're, they're done for the year. They're not going to be able to make up that kind of ground. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I've already uh, scheduled their funeral. If let's take somebody like, of course, everybody wants Byron Buxton, right? Even though he's injury prone, he's just such a fantastic center fielder with the glove and he could do a lot with the bat on the base paths, et cetera. But how about somebody like Miguel Sano? Seems like he's maybe kind of fallen out of favor with uh, Rocco Baldelli and his staff. And uh, Alex Kirilov is the one that's getting a lot of the at bats at first base. Miguel Sano could be Big Poppy 2.0, right? Besides just the twin similarity, the Dominican similarity, but they're both huge sluggers. And I'm kind of thinking that maybe Alex Cora could be the guy that connects with Miguel Sano. Um, that's just a, a prediction about the twins overall with the, with the MLB. But what about the Red Sox going in and picking up a slugger like that? And boy, just general thoughts. No, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a way to fit him on the roster for sure. Um, you know, because I don't love Bobby the, Dahlback, by the way. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, is Sano is a righty, and I think uh, the Red Sox would be looking to add a left-hander, not necessarily just because of Dahlbeck, but just fits in the lineup. Um, you know, they're they're sort of stuck to a certain extent because JD Martinez is is there and you know he can't play the field every day so you can't be adding a guy like Nelson Cruz or something like that um so you know Sano could potentially fit if he's going to play first base um you know then then maybe that could be uh that could be a fit um yeah that's that's a possibility i i could totally see them going after a guy like i don't know Max Kepler from the Twins um he's a guy who is on a 
you know, he's got some team control left, um, you know, underperformed a little bit this year, but had a really good season in 2019. Um, you know, he's a, a young guy with some, some power and some speed. Um, yeah, I could see a fit like that. I, I'm sort of curious what the Twins are going to do because, yeah, they, they've been pretty awful this year, but there's, there's a lot of young guys on that team. It's not just Josh Donaldson and Nelson Cruz. Like, they've got some other players on that team. So um, maybe they just, um, you know, sell off a couple guys and, and then, you know, run it back next year. That, that, that seems kind of reasonable to me. I don't think they necessarily need to tear it down, but maybe they will. Max Kepler, the uh, pride of Berlin, Germany. That would be pretty cool. I, I like yeah. that as well. Uh, Matt, uh, before we let you go, because we're up against a commercial break, anything that you want to plug, any projects that you're working on, you want to give out your uh, Twitter handle, et cetera? Sure, yeah. Um, I write a Red Sox newsletter called Sox Outsider, and it's at soxoutsider.substack.com, and it's uh, free. And I write it four or five times a week. Um, you can go to that web address, socksoutsider.substack.com, and um, you can read everything that's written there, and you can subscribe to it for free. Um, whenever I write something, it'll show up in your inbox. And, uh, yeah, you know, free. It's not uh, – <laughs> there's no better bargain in the world than something for free. So um, check it out. That's where you get all my Red Sox writing. Free, free, and it's good information, If you, especially if you're a Red Sox fan, any baseball fan overall. Matthew, really appreciate it, man. Always, always good to have you on the show with us. Really appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, thanks again. I hope to talk soon. That's Matthew Corey, Red Sox insider. Let's take a commercial timeout, Gino. We'll come back and uh, keep the discussion rolling right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Zach here on the Mike Abadir show And uh, we were talking during the break a little more uh, About the uh, the Red Sox And yeah, they, they, we were a little surprised Because I think, I mean just for me on the outside looking in I I still feel like this team If they think Right now we have a shot and we're going to go all in I feel like you, your best chance Has to be trying to go get Another starting arm That you feel like is a Is someone that you you feel like can start a game For you in a playoff series I, I think because if you don't, I just don't know if you can roll out there with Evaldi and Eddie Rodriguez or Pavetta or combinations of them. You can you can mix and match for maybe a series. I don't know if you could do that for three or four, you know, consecutive, you know, deep series where you have to play against really good teams. And and then remember. Your batting lineup, which is awesome, is going to be held down a little bit by top tier starting pitching on the other side. So you're not necessarily going to be putting up the seven spots like a normal Red Sox team would do during the regular season when you're running into a lot of Orioles teams and teams that you're just better than with your lineup. I because I would if I was Boston right now, I would do I would look around the league. I don't think anybody in the American League is that good. I don't. I I, I I think the Astros are fine. I think the White Sox are fine. I don't think either one of them scares me whatsoever. They do not terrify me as a team that I'd like, oh no, we're, we're going to run into this team and not have a shot. They're all flawed. And so Boston's flaws, well, yeah, starting pitching maybe or depth is a big flaw. Like it doesn't feel like their flaws are as much as, as we thought coming into the year because a lot of these teams aren't that good. Like it's just the nicest way possible. Even th- who do you really think? Is that good like I look at the Dodgers And I think they're probably Still the most well-rounded team because They have a really good starting staff and when their Team's healthy they've got a really good lineup and and Have a pretty good bullpen I don't think the Giants are that good as good as they've Been playing I don't think there's like Really anybody else in the National League That's that good or that's that scary the Padres sure the best two teams in baseball Just in terms of like, if somebody asks me who are the best, two, somebody comes from another planet and says which are the best two teams in baseball, I'm gonna say Dodgers followed by Padres. I would, and then do. I'd probably insert the Red Sox into third there. Them and the White Sox, you know, uh, you could make a case for e- either of them. Because I don't, those, those like, first I think two can be scary. I don't know anybody. I don't think anybody else is scary. I think the Padres can be scary, and I think the Dodgers are scary. I don't think anybody else is. And the, and they, neither of them are either, even as scary as we all thought. That's like true. and that, that's my my major point. It's like I'm a Dodger fan, but like and so I think like I kind of said this when we not I'm not trying to like but I kind of said this when we talked about our major league predictions. Like I didn't think they would win 120 games or anything like that. Um, I thought the Padres would even win more than them, and and maybe like beat them in the in the season more because the Padres kind of get more up for playing the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are kind of like, hey, we just kind of want to get back to the playoffs again. And we'll and like that's when we can kind of really focus on everything. It's just sort of like let's get there. I think the attitude for them, which is as a fan, it's sort of frustrating because it's like how the Lakers played this year, you know, versus how both of these teams played last year, where it's like they take every game very seriously and and they want to just beat the crap out of you. Like the Dodgers aren't like that this year, you know. Um, the Padres are only like that against the Dodgers, <laughs> you know. Like they get really excited to play the Dodgers, but then they're not quite. That good against everybody else um, I don't think anybody in the National League East Is all that terrifying The Central, like the Brewers are fine um, You know, and so I, I, I've i got the Red Sox With the top teams in the American League Like the the, the White Sox With the uh, with the Astros and, and you know, the A's are probably a little bit better Than they've played But 
if any one of those teams, including the Red Sox, were immediately out in a playoff series, I would not be shocked at all because they're all flawed. I think it reminds me very much of what we're seeing in the NBA playoffs right now. It might be a situation where uh, a team with major weaknesses ends up winning just because of the road they get to go on there. Look, you made a lot of really, really good points. Too many to be able to like address one by one. So I will say this. In terms of the pitching staff for the Red Sox, let's assume that Seal does come back and that he comes back healthy and he is the two ERA Chris Seal that gets you 250 strikeouts and only like 170 innings. Okay, let's say that's the version that comes back. You're right. You still have to now come up with two, at least two, maybe three more starters that you can rely on in the playoffs. But the analogy I'll give you is this. I know you remember this name. I know you know who this is. I'm going to remind everybody of a guy named Robert Ory, H-O-R-R-Y, played for the Lakers. How many rings does he have? Like six, seven, seven, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know if everybody remembers mid-90s Yankees teams. There was a guy named Jim Laritz. He's a catcher. Uh, He got into trouble uh, after he retired. But during the postseason, these guys were amongst the best in their sports. They just came in and did exactly what you would pray for, a last-second shot, a last-second ninth-inning home run. And they delivered not once, not twice, but time and time again. And so I think Eovaldi's that guy in the postseason, man. I really do think he is Robert Ory postseason, as close as you can get baseball to that. And and I think— And you could be 100% right. My only concern with the Red Sox going in is, and, and the same thing with Sale, is if it's hard to count on that. If, you, if he's your number one and you're expecting him to match up with guys that are better, just better than him overall on the other side, that's where you're in trouble. If he's your number three or four, and he's pulling out these big games. That's this X factor for you. Like he did when you won the World Series. Because you still had Price and Sale then. And then Evaldi was this other X factor. He's the guy that helps you win. But he, it's sort of like what happened to the Clippers right now. Reggie Jackson would have been the guy that helped them win the title if Kawhi was there. The problem is Kawhi's not there. So now Reggie Jackson has to end up being this, this guy who slotted up. And ends up having to be like your second best player instead of being like, oh my God, look what we're getting from Reggie Jackson. We never expected this. So that's my only concern with how Boston wants to approach it. Because you could win all of the games in the regular season, but you want to go into the playoffs giving you your best chance. And I don't know if you were counting on Evaldi and Sale. If Sale comes back and he's great, that's awesome. But if you're counting on the both of them to be your one twos, and and have to do it all versus, oh, we went out and got another guy who's like, you know, I don't know who in my head. I'm just thinking like a, a, a number two or three starter from somewhere else. You bring that guy in and you get a little bit more depth there. All of a sudden it makes everything better. So I if I'm Boston, I'm 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 got to be at least in my head. I'm thinking I'm more aggressive than standing pat because this is a chance right now that we may not have. Next year or the year after or the year after you've seen how quickly injuries can happen. Things can change. You can go from being the best team to the worst. I think when you get an opportunity like this and you're already, like you said, we're not 20 games in we're 80 games in you guys are 20 games over 500 right now. 
This is not like, oh, we maybe have a chance. Go get a pitcher or two. Put yourself in the absolute best position to win. Well, I'm going to tell you something kind of interesting here, which is when you look at the starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, if you just sort them by ERA, you're going to have a lot of the familiar uh, type of guys like Jacob deGrom and and Brandon Woodruff, who's kind of asserted himself into that conversation the last couple of years, and Max Scherzer, et cetera. So when you look at the names that are on this list, Walker Buehler is 9, Carlos Rodon is 10. Uh, almost every pitcher is on a playoff contender. So who does that leave us with in terms of being able to go after somebody? Well, what it tells me is a couple of things. Aside from the Dodgers, everybody has this big drop-off. You know, you have a Jacob deGrom. Yeah, you got Taiwan Walker, but can you rely on Taiwan Walker or Marcus Stroman in the postseason? Maybe, maybe not, right? Um, the Giants, Kevin Gosman. Can you rely on anybody else after? So I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of teams have the same problem as the Red Sox. Oh, yeah. So and I, and who does that right. leave us with, though, in terms of availability? I mean, you this is when you go. Kyle Gibson yeah. of the Rangers. Yes. Guys He's, like that. He guys might that are... be that type of guy. Someone who's had a- if the Rangers want to part with him, that is. I, I don't know anything about his contract or, or control or anything like that. But he would be a good guy. And so would Trevor Rogers from Miami. Those really are the only two players, by the way, Gino, in the top like 20 well, and, and ERA-wise at least that are on uh, non-playoff contenders. And that's where you got to get the, the scouting's got to come in. You got to find players that you think may be beneficial in your ballpark, maybe beneficial with, you know, there's something about the way that they're pitching, they're, the way that they're throwing maybe their pitches. Maybe somebody outside of this top 20. Yeah, yeah you get a little guys. outside the box. You bring someone in whose numbers may be a little inflated because of a situation that they're in, and but you still think you got something out of them because those are the players that you don't have to go give up as much for. You go take, and those are the players that the Dodgers take chances on, right? You take chances on someone who have had a little bit of a struggle. You take a chance on two or three of them, and if one of them hits, great. If the other two don't, you just cut them, and you keep playing with what you've got. So, well, I'm gonna throw out a name, and then I know we gotta keep it moving because we only have a few short moments left. How about Herman Marquez from the Colorado Rockies? Yeah, I was just gonna say there's probably three yeah. guys on the Rockies that you could look at, like someone like John. He's Gray. got really good stuff, man. A lot of these guys, and, and what's funny about the, a lot of them too is. They're good at home, which is absurd for a lot of them. They're like they have backward splits. They're actually good at at Coors. So you could imagine being in a home setting like Boston for some of those guys with a with an actual offense, you know, behind them. That could be really impressive. So this is something we'll continue to monitor in a week. We'll see if the Red Sox win a couple more games as we get closer to the All Star break. Uh, you know, I, I think they really got to get you know uh, interested in making a move. But our time is up, Mike. It went very quickly. It went very fast. I hope we could see Sano and Marquez in Red Sox uniforms. If the upper management's listening, those are the guys to go after. <laughs> you know, we want to talk a little bit about Trevor Bauer. Unfortunate situation there. We'll hopefully have more facts next week. Happy 4th of July, Gino. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.